Welcome to the Sherry Group Podcast. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Yes, welcome to the Sherry Group Podcast. I am Drew Demery, joined here with my co-host, David Sherry. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Drew. We got the sun out today and a fresh blanket of snow here in Iowa. Got uh, about 12 inches outside my window and it's sunny and beautiful and just a, a good day today. Wonderful day. How are you? I'm good. I'm visiting a friend, a former podcast guest, Jordy Brown. Um, I'm up in Cedar Falls. We're doing a little outdoor adventuring and exploring today. So we're trying out snowshoeing at some of the local trails. Oh, that sounds like a fun time. And uh, congratulations on getting exercise, doing better than me today. Yeah, I'm headed to the couch for the next couple of days, but today's going to be a good one. Uh, it is a good one also because we have with us Kelly Rossbow from Camp Eagle Ridge, Mellon, Wisconsin, who's joining us today on our Site and Facilities podcast here. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Well, thanks. Hi, Drew. Hi, Dave. Glad to be here. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your camp and a little bit about your journey with your camp. We'd love to get to know you a little bit. Sure. So I founded Camp Eagle Ridge 28 years ago at the tender age of 26. Um, I like to say that I was young enough to be brave and bold and young enough to be naive enough to um, believe I could do it, which was a good combination <laughs> for me. So <laughs> Camp Eagle Ridge is a boys and girls leadership camp. So that's what makes us a little bit different. Um, interact, interactive ways for kids to practice leadership, um, get some hands-on experience, and uh, have a really good time doing it. That sounds great. Sign me up. <laughs> 28 years ago, you got this camp. Tell us a little bit about your journey with it kind of maybe what was the shape of the camp and what made you want to buy a camp? Because uh, that sounds like quite the project to me. Tell me a little bit about how you got started. I always say there was the um, the logical reason and then the impulsive reason I got into summer camp. Um, logically, I really did have a degree in education and in organizational communications. I had worked with children's summer programs really since um, about the age of 11, my mom ran the summer recreation department, so um, I grew up with summer programming. Um, I was a camp counselor during my college years, although it was on a college campus. It wasn't, um, wasn't the experience that our kids get. Um, so I had all, these, all this terrific experience that kind of fit for what I was about to do. And then there was the impulsive reason, which was I, my uh, then husband and I went to see a movie called Indian Summer. I don't know if either of you are familiar with that one. Great um, movie. Yeah, great yeah. movie. You know, for all the summer camp movies that may be um, a little over the top or not quite, you know, accurate, um, Indian Summer actually does catch um, and, and kind of get the spirit of camp, I think. It's got, um, all, the, it's got all the feels. It does. You know, and it's about a group of like 30 year olds that get invited back to their old camp for one last hurrah. And um, while they're there, they kind of rediscover all the things they loved about camp, you know, the, the relationships that were important to them, who they really were at heart. Um, and the camp director, you know, tells them that he's invited them there because it's going to be his last summer. And I think he's sort of secretly hoping that someone will take over the camp. Um, well, I, of course, thought, God, I would do that. That sounds amazing. 
left the movie, didn't say anything about it for a month, um, and then was driving down the street and said, um, I'd like to do this. And uh, the rest, they should say, is uh, history. So, um, it, believe it or not, that was probably May. I had, um, you know, I had given birth two months earlier to my first child. And even though it felt like a very long process to me at that time, I think I can be pretty um, impatient sometimes with things. I actually found the camp, you know, in less than a year. I found it the following March. Um, saw it under a whole big blanket of snow. It had sat empty for 10 years, buildings falling down um, in pretty terrible shape, but it had been a camp at one point. And I uh, owned it by the end of September, kind of crazy and wonderful and exciting and scary and all of those things. Um, so about the time my son turned a year old, the same week I found the camp, I remember having him in a backpack and standing on top of that snowy hill, looking out over the whole place and over the lake frozen over and saying, this, this is it. This is the place. What a dream, right? What a great story. And yeah, you probably had your hands pretty full, busy time of life, I bet. Let's start talking about the facilities though, about right there. So what was the inventory? What did you what did you have that you could use? What what did you have to start over with? So believe it or not, most of the buildings were um, usable not not immediately, but um, but eventually. So the the camp itself had I want to say about twenty five buildings on it. Um, it had a main lodge. It had a rec hall. It had. Um, 10 log cabin spaces for kids. Um, you know, it had two, you know, buildings to be named, so to speak. Um, one of which had a huge hole in the back of it where a bathroom used to be, but a tree had fallen on top of it. And it, it literally was sitting with a huge hole in the back of it. And yes, that's what I moved into. <laughs> you know, I remember, uh, you know, standing there after we had purchased it and looking at that building in particular. And I said, you know, um, to do this, we sold a, a really, you know, pretty large four bedroom home in the suburbs. We moved into a three room or three bedroom apartment in the city. And we were about to move into a two-room cabin with a hole in the back of it, um, moving right on up. <laughs> right, that <laughs> so, seems to be the wrong direction. Yeah. Clearly, again, I don't like to do things the easy way. So, so that was a place to start with renovation. Um, and we had a lot of renovation to do. When, we, uh, when I purchased the camp, we put in, I want to say I purchased it for approximately $200,000. This was in 1994. And then, but took out a loan for $300,000. So I would have $100,000 to start renovation with, um, which was just enough for me to um, straighten out the lodge that um, was definitely leaning in a big way and to start renovating three cabins. Um, so in our first season, we used three cabins. Our big week was 17 kids, <laughs> yep. still in contact with almost all of those kids 28 years later. Wow. And um, yeah, and, and went from there. So it wasn't this huge auspicious start. So Kelly, where, how do you even, so you're standing there on the snow pile, right? Looking out and you've got a dream 
how do you take that formulate it into a vision and then what were your what did you use to make decisions how do you know what to do first and what to focus on and did you do all the work yourself did you hire somebody like what, what was the process and how did you figure out priorities um, that's a great question. It, because like I said, my my background was in summer program. Um, so I felt very capable when it came to program and staffing and the actual like operation and and people part of camp. Um, I was I was not um, prepared or skilled in the areas of site and facilities management. Um, I was, however, very fortunate in that first site manager for camp who um, who made it through 20 years with me, you know, uh, so I made a good decision right off the bat um, and hired a gentleman who lived on our lake who had actually been the previous camp's site manager. Um, so he knew what he was doing. He had skills and he had um, kind of the history of the property and the buildings, um, which kind of which gave us a place to work from. So that was a really important decision was, was bringing on somebody who had the skills I didn't and, and being able to recognize that and not um, jump in too deep in an area I wasn't very skilled in. That's probably a huge piece of advice to share right there, right? Is understanding what you know and what you don't know and bringing in the right people to help you with projects like this. That is absolutely it. You know, you've got to know what you're good at, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and not be afraid to supplement them. Great advice. So you start, right? You know, you, you've got your team in place. Do you just start, did you work roofs down or did you assess the building conditions or how did you start picking where to, where to, even, where to even go? So yes, there was, there was definitely an assessment of, of all of the buildings and kind of what their needs were and what their importance was to camp. You know, what can't I run without? You know, so of course, you know, central to everything in a, in a resident camp is your lodge and dining hall. I always think even, even now, year to year, before my staff arrives every summer, I'm always like clean place to eat, clean place to use the bathroom, clean and comfortable place to sleep. You have to start with those three things for people to feel comfortable, to be able to have the fun, to learn lots, to do all the other things that we really, you know, have in our mission at camp. But if people aren't feeling safe and clean and comfortable, it's very hard for them to do those things. Um, so the main lodge was really key for me. Great advice. And a couple of things you said in there, you know, those three decisions, the three things that you kind of leaned on for decisions. I, I love that. And um, this is good. I love it. I wish I could have, I don't suppose you took like step-by-step -step photos through the whole, it would have been fun, be fun to see uh, before, during and after the, the project. So now we fast forward 28 years, you've built a new dining hall. Is that right? That's right. Um, so fortunately um, I did two, you know, I did a couple really smart things um, and learned along the way. Um, but one of the, you know, smartest and most wonderful things I did was married my husband. Um, <laughs> that's really uh, sharp skills when it comes to construction and site and facilities. Now, again, you know, I brought someone on to my team, so to speak, whether he wanted to or not. 
fortunately he had, you know, he has a, a shared love for camp. He, um, he gets it. Um, super important to both our relationship and to camp's future. And he um, grew up with a dad who was a carpenter, um, has tremendous skills when it comes to um, building and site and facilities. And, you know, together as a team, we then started making plans towards this new dining hall, which we now, um, it's been four years since we built it. And it was a, it was a process because it was a humongous investment. I mean, for what camp was maybe on paper, this new dining hall is probably equal to that. Um, you know, you're talking about a, a 50% capital investment. <laughs> but to take our camp, you know, into the next hundred years, that was pretty important. Our old lodge was built in 1895. Whoa. Um, yeah. Um, as are many of our cabins. But the lodge, without having a foundation, shifted by inches every single winter. Um, you know, our winters up in northern Wisconsin are harsh. And, you know, that's harsh on buildings. Um, so the lodge shifted by inches every single year. And we would get under the building every year and, and kind of, you know, straighten it up again and um, get it level again. And, you know, to be fair, every time there was a, a major storm, I, you know, uh, was sweating it out a little bit. Um, little did I know that when we did come time to take that building down, she wasn't going without a fight. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't really have to worry as much as I thought I did all those years. <laughs> That's wonderful, Kelly. Kelly, let's let's take a quick break here um, to hear from our sponsor, the Sherry Group. And then we will dive back into this conversation. I'm interested to know a little bit more about some of the challenges along the way and any advice that you might have for our listeners here. So let's take a quick break and we'll dive back in. The Sherry Group LLC is a proud supporter of summer camps and nonprofits nationwide, specializing in operations, fundraising, and executive coaching. Contact the Sherry Group today at www.thesherrygroupllc.com. Thank you. Okay, here we are with the Sherry Group podcast. I am Drew Demery, joined with David Sherry and our guest today, Kelly Rossabo with Camp Eagle Ridge up in northern Wisconsin, talking about her journey here with um, site and facilities as a camp that she founded uh, 28 years ago. And Kelly was just telling us about her dining hall and how that was been a really big recent project. And I would imagine with projects of that scope and that size and scale that probably not everything goes exactly as planned. Maybe it does, but I can imagine there being some hiccups along the way. Would you mind sharing with us some of the hiccups that you've had um, over the last nearly three decades and how you've overcome some of those challenges? Sure. I think um, when it came to building a new dining hall and lodge, it was such a large project and such a large capital investment um, that first and foremost, the, the biggest hurdle was the financing. Mm -hmm. Things were going okay for camp financially, but this was going to be a, a really large financial investment. Um, and I started with the bank that we had been banking with, you know, since camp's inception, the bank that gave me the initial loan to buy camp. And I had a, a terrific relationship with them, you know, jumped through hurdles, provided all the paperwork, gave them everything they asked for. And this, you know, was kind of a months and months and months process of them looking at our financials. And this is an, a, a nationally known bank chain. 
okay, mm -hmm. um, which factors in. Well, over a year later, after having started the process, I was, you know, waiting for the, like the go ahead, like, hey, we're going to get the yes any day now. In fact, we completed our summer and I was so sure that we were going to, you know, get the loan, start construction immediately after that summer that I actually had our, our whole staff like empty out the lodge. We took all the contents out, put it into other buildings because we were so ready to tear down that lodge. So it was a uh, crisp September morning and I saw the phone call come across on my phone and took a look at it and I thought, this is it. This is the bank calling to say, yes, we have finally got your final approval for the loan. And it was the bank calling and they said no, which was pretty soul crushing. <laughs> yeah, ouch. Pretty soul crushing. And, um, and truly, I was, I was in a parking lot in my car and I uh, hung up the phone, had a, had a you know, little bit of a cry and, um, and then looked down at a, um, I put temp temporary tattoos on my forearm. And at this particular time, the, the temporary tattoo on my forearm said, actually, I can. And at that point, I was like, well, you know, your loss bank, actually, I can. And I immediately sent off an email to my previous banker. He had switched bank chains to a local bank and said, uh, you know, they passed. Are you interested? Within five minutes, I had an email back that said, heck yeah. Then I put together a new plan, sent it to them. Thankfully, within 10 days, I had their reply because this was a small bank with a board of directors and a president. And they said, no. <laughs> so then I went to plan C and it's a good thing. There's 26 letters in the alphabet is all I have to say, um, you know, because I wasn't giving up. And again, I had a great relationship with this banker. He, he knew that I was someone who came through that I'd never missed a payment, even in the very, very lean years. Um, he went to bat for me and, um, and they said yes to plan C. The following summer, we worked with, we still ran camp out of the old lodge. We had to put everything back in <laughs> <laughs> and um, started building the new lodge simultaneously right behind it. Now, you know, plan C incorporated basically doing an awful lot of the work ourselves. So we had hired contractors to frame the building, to um, pour the, the concrete um, basement and um, it's a walkout. So it's got solid concrete walls on three walls of that walkout basement floor. Um, and then, um, then the upper floor is ground level from you know, the other side. So everything got framed out. And then when camp was over that summer, my husband and I um, did the rest. Um, every bat of insulation in those walls we put in, every <laughs> swipe of paint we put on, you know, we did the rest of the construction ourselves, which is laborious and hard. And we lived five hours away at the time. Um, so we were driving up um, like every two weeks and staying for five days, working, you know, 16 hour days to get as much done as humanly possible in those five days driving back and um, doing it again, you know, two weeks later until we had it. Wow. Um, yeah, what a big project. <laughs> it and, was. 
in hindsight, do you think that maybe this was the end, the, the best product? I'm, I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. I have very little um, regrets about the plan. There aren't many things that I look at and say, oh, we should have done this differently. We had toured a number of camps before deciding on the plan. We talked to other camp cooks um, and said, hey, if you could design your own kitchen, what would you do? We talked to every camp cook that we had had in camp's history and gave them puzzle pieces and the space and said, lay out the kitchen you, the way you would lay it out. Um, you know how we operate. And, and they all responded and all contributed to that, particularly when it comes to the kitchen. Um, I don't think we have any regrets. I think that the takeaway that I hear from that story is that in the early stages of like, even before we start construction, getting input is, is a big deal, right? So getting people, getting stakeholders. And in this case, um, the banks said no, and we don't want to hear that, but probably turned out for the best in the end. Sometimes getting other people to, to look at our plans and give us feedback and for nonprofit camps, um, that would, those would be your board and other volunteers, but all that feed, all that feedback, all that information, all those people kind of help feed the pot a little bit, don't they? Absolutely. And, and for the, the folks that were actually the, the users, our kitchen staff to be involved in its design, um, I think that was invaluable. Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, Kelly, I'm, we've got a couple minutes here left. And some of the pieces of information and advice that I've picked up on today are um, making sure that you have a comfortable, safe place to eat, sleep, and use the restrooms. You know, we just talked about having good relationships and getting good input from those around us. Any other advice that you might give somebody who's going down a similar path? I think just like most carpenters would say, you know, measure twice, cut once. The real value is in the planning, um, having a good plan when you start, um, taking the time to do a really good job with that. Um, but also, you know, being flexible, you know, along the way. Um, we had a plan, we started construction. And I remember walking on, you know, kind of the, the floor of what was going to be our second floor of our dining hall um, without even like the final walls up and going, I think we need to push this dining wall wall back two feet. We need to make the dining hall two feet bigger. Um, and we did. And um, boy, am I glad we did that. We added a room in the, in the basement um, for like a TV room for our staff on their time off. Um, that was sort of an afterthought. And um, boy, am I glad we did that. Um, so sometimes you do make decisions, you know, kind of on the fly, but that all the time you put into planning and, and making the decisions before you start building um, really does have a big payoff. I think that's great advice. Wonderful. Well, Dave, thanks for joining me for another episode. Our guest has been Kelly Rossabo from Camp Eagle Ridge in Northern Wisconsin. It's been a pleasure, Kelly. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. We will see you next time, listeners. Have a good one. This has been the Sherry Group Podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great day.